Awesome. Is everyone okay? Cold? Okay, stand up. Stand up. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, in, out, in, out, shake it all about. Do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Now jump up and shout, hey! Hey, okay, now sit down. Are you cold? There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's really great to be here on this Bring and Share Sunday. I came on a good day. What's the like, um, I know whenever we have Bring and Share, the one thing that is never missing is meat pies. Someone will always bring meat pies. I know. If there are no meat pies, everyone's kind of just waiting. Yeah, you should come to Blakely. Is it chicken drumsticks here? Angelo fries. Right. And puff puff. Oh my gosh. It's all happening. I need to take like some lessons from you guys. It's like not a bring and share unless there's meat pie. You can kind of feel the atmosphere in the room. Everyone's sort of, wait, who was it? And so, oh, finally, someone brought the meat pies, Bob. So jollof rice, puff puff, and chicken drumsticks. Okay. I didn't bring any of those things today, but I'm sure somebody did. So it's a good Sunday. Who's got their Bible with them or a Bible uh, reading device app, whatever it is? If you do, I want you to take it out and hold it in your hand just so you can see it. So if it's your phone, there you go. Yep. Just have it. Look at it. Some of you can see it. Now, I just want you to take a moment just between you and your Bible. This is my Bible. Just hold it and just think for a minute and be really honest with yourself. So don't look at me. Look at the Bible, the Bible reading app. How do you feel about it? So just think for a moment. How do I feel about my Bible? Are we like best buddies? Couldn't do without you. I'm really excited every time I approach you. If I ever lost you, it would be like the end of the world. Or maybe do you feel a little bit like it's a love-hate relationship? Sometimes I really love you, sometimes I don't so much. Sometimes I'm thrilled, sometimes I don't really understand you. If I lost you, I probably wouldn't notice. Just have a think for a moment and be really honest. I'm not going to ask you to share, so this is just between you and God and your Bible. But how, how do you feel about it, honestly? And now I want you to think, how do you feel about God? So how do you feel about Jesus? If he was standing right in front of you right now, is it really excited to see you, couldn't live without you, absolutely love you, I'm thrilled? Or is it sometimes I'm thrilled, sometimes I'm not? Sometimes I don't really understand. And how does how we feel about our Bible compare to how we feel about God? How does we feel about our Bible compare to how we feel about Jesus? Now just sit on that for a moment and let's open our Bibles to Psalm 119 and verse 161. And we're going to read a bit about how David felt about his, I guess, Bible or the scriptures that he had at that time. And we're going to hear about a man who was known for loving God, who who was called a man after God's own heart, and read about what he felt towards his scriptures. So verse uh, 161, princes persecute me without cause, 
but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. How did that compare maybe to how we feel about God's word? So David here is talking about the scriptures that he had at that time. We now have Old and New Testament, but it is all a proclamation of what God says. And and, and he would read it and, and take it in. And he absolutely loved it. He was in awe of it. How does that compare sometimes, if we're really honest, to how we feel about our Bibles? How does it compare? He was passionate. He was devoted. He, 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 he really gave himself to loving God, but to loving what God said in awe of his word and devoted. And so for David, there was no disconnect between how he felt about God and how he felt about the words God said. Because as he heard the words proclaimed of the one he loved, he saw a true reflection of who he was. And so David loved God with all of his heart, but he expresses it as he loves his word also with all of his heart. There was no disconnect between how he felt about God and how he felt about his word. I had a friend when I was growing up called April, and April was a really big Take That fan. She was the kind of go to the concert, ugly cry, if like someone, they walked past her and like, oh my gosh, I felt like a whiff of, you know. She was a real Take That fan, and everything in April's room was Take That. Just take that wallpaper, take that posters, take that necklaces, everything about, and she knew everything about them. She knew their birthdays. She knew what they liked. She knew, you know, their, their, their favorite um, like hairstyles or foods or whatever it was. She was absolutely like obsessed with them. And she had all the merchandise. She had all the merch, as we'd say. She absolutely loved them. And she knew everything about them. There wasn't anything about Take That. It was quite annoying. I didn't like Take That. Sorry for all the Take That fans out there. But they just... I was more of a boy's own girl. Anyway, that's showing my age. Um, but um, <laughs> she absolutely loved them, and she knew everything about them. And uh, kind of, you know, in a, in a, that's somewhat unhealthy, but to, to compare, you know, our Bible is more than just merchandise. It's more than just, you know, God and an add-on. It's not like a, she loves Take That, and she grabs a magazine, so she reads all about them. It's so much more than that. And sometimes maybe we can become a bit, I may be disillusioned or, or forget really how precious and how wonderful the written word of God is. And sometimes maybe we can kind of sit on a shelf, maybe gather a bit of dust and pull it out here and there and turn to the same scripture every time. And, and maybe it's just because we've kind of lost sight of how wonderful and how precious this really is. Maybe we've lost sight of the fact that this has the power to reveal who God is to us. And just like for David, because when he looked at what God said, he saw who God was. Seven times a day, I praise you because in your word, I see a reflection of who you are. And so I praise you for who you've revealed yourself to be 
in your word. We can sing so many worship songs and, 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 we, and it's really great and expressive. But God does not leave us guessing about his character. He doesn't leave us guessing about how good or how loving he is because he's revealed it here. And he wants us to see him here for who he is and who he's revealed himself to be so that we can love him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Because sometimes we may fall into the trap of, of, of having an idea of, of, of what and who God is and we can almost box him in. But when we go back to this and we look at his mighty deeds to God in whom nothing is impossible, who parted the Red Seas, who, who turned water into wine, who does all those miraculous things and so much more will he do. When we gaze at him and see him for who he is in the scripture, this comes alive and we worship him for who he really is. And the separation between how we feel about him sometimes in the word closes because he, he is who he reveals himself to be in his word. And David understood that. So David had this understanding that you are, God, you are what you say. There's, you're, you're integral. You are who you say you are. And so as I read about you and I see you for who you are, I worship you. And therefore, I love your word. Therefore, I want to keep your commandments. Therefore, I want to do what you say. David also understood and believed the truth about what God's word was. And so sometimes, you know, what we believe about the Bible will affect how we approach it. So if I simply believe that it's, I don't know, a bunch of stories or these are just pages and I don't know, maybe I'm not really concentrating, so I don't know if it will actually have any impact on my life. I'm going to approach it very differently. But if I believe the truth about the Bible, that it has the power to light up my path, that it has the power to bring life into my bones, that it has the power to reveal what's really going on inside me. You know when you read a scripture sometimes and you feel that... And there's that revelation and God is like, yes, I'm marking something there because my word has revealed something. It's cutting between bone and marrow, flesh and spirit. I want to reveal something in you so I can change you. When I believe that that's what happens when I open this book, I will approach it differently. When I believe that that the Bible has has every single time I open it, there is an opportunity for me to encounter Jesus. I will approach it differently. Every single time, even when I'm not paying attention. Sometimes when you can't go to sleep, and then there's a temptation to like, I don't know, pick up your phone, maybe, or read something. Because sometimes we can think, I won't read the Bible now because I'm not in the right frame of mind. And so I need to give it as much attention, and I need to let you know, revere it. and be. So I won't read it now, but I'll pick up my phone instead. But actually, if we know and believe that whatever we see, it... It goes in, doesn't it? Whether you're concentrating or not. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit is able to bring to remembrance everything that we've read, whether I'm half asleep or not, when I pick this up and I look at it, I will approach it differently. Because I know it's far better use of my time to let this sink in subconsciously than something on Instagram. When I understand the truth of what the Bible is and the power that it carries, I will approach it differently. When I understand that it all points to Jesus, 
I will approach it differently. When I understand the sacrifice that people made to, to write down and so we're able to have it and the power that it carries, I will approach it differently. It has the power to save and he has the uh, power to bring to our remembrance everything that we read in here, even if it's just a glance. The other thing David understood was that to love God was to obey his commandments. David knew this well. Now, if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and from verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Father, we just pray for that situation. Just, yeah, heal, deliver, may everyone be safe. Amen. Where was I? Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so here um, we see this, this, this greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, all your strength, all your might, all your heart. And that word there at the very beginning, which says hear, hear, O Israel, the word there is um, the Hebrew Shema. Now the word Shema means to listen and to obey. And there isn't a separate word in Hebrew for obey, because if you've listened, really listened, you will obey. So there's no separate word. So it's, if, you listen, if you've actually listened, my dad always tells me, you've not listened to me if you're not doing what I've told you. It was really annoying growing up. But anyway, he has a point. So if you haven't actually listened, if you're not doing it, it means you haven't actually listened. You haven't got it. So there was no need for a separate word. It was almost like two sides of one coin. And so it's listen and obey, O Israel. Love the Lord your God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself and keep these words in front of you. Obey my commandments. So listen to what I'm saying. Show me you're listening. Obey. Love me with all your heart and keep what I say in front of you. Talk about it when you stand up. Talk about it when you sit down. When you're with your children, when you're outside. Keep what I say and obey what I say about you all the time. And if you love me, you obey my commandments. And so it's, it's this holistic picture of to love God means to read his word, to obey his word, and to love his commandments, and that's to love him. And there is no separation. The, I cannot say I love him if I do not obey his commandments, and I cannot obey his commandments if I don't read his commandments. And so it's a big, like, oh, two sides of one coin, but this holistic thing of to love God is to love what he says. And not, there's no dichotomy between the two because he is who he reveals himself to be. And so we are those who are to listen to him and obey, to love him. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. John 14, verse 15. Never let this word depart from you. And then we read in Colossians 3 and verse 16, don't we? Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Always having the word of God on our hearts is to love him. Because to love him is to love his word. And to love his word is to love him. 
And David knew this, because David was really excited. He's like, I love you. I'm passionate about what you say. And so we may get to that place. We're like, okay, I love God. I love what he says. It's amazing. He is who he reveals himself to be. I love his word. And it's January, so we start our Bible reading plans. Well done, everybody. I won't ask if you're still doing it. It's okay. But we do. We're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then maybe we miss a day or two. And we think, it's okay, you know, there's no condemnation. And it's true. There is no condemnation if we miss a day or two. And, you know, we often say that there is grace, which is also true. There is grace. But as we sang earlier, the grace of God empowers us to live a life of righteousness. And so many times we can use the grace of God to almost make us feel better for something we haven't done, rather than embracing and asking for grace to do what we should be doing. And it's not wrong because the grace of God is there for us when, when we're lacking, but God's grace empowers us to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. God's grace empowers us to read his word, even if we miss a day or two. He empowers us to live a life of righteousness and so, so many times we, we can fall into this, you know, there's no condemnation and there's grace and so it's okay. And we end up settling for the crumbs underneath the table, then coming to the, t- the top of the table where we can feast and there's an ongoing everlasting feast for us to be filled up with. There is so much for us to have. Sometimes we can then use the excuse of, well, I don't want to be religious about it. I've said this before. I, I can be quite spontaneous and I'm not the best at sticking to schedules, but I'm getting better. Um, and we can be like, I don't want to be religious about it, so I won't read my Bible every day because I don't want to read it just for the sake of it. And, you know, and we can use that sometimes. Sometimes, if we're really honest, we misplace and we use the word religious in place of discipline when actually what we're really lacking is discipline. It's I'm not going to read my Bible too because I'm going to be religious. And being religious is doing stuff for the sake of showing it. It's just an outside work and nothing's happening on the inside. Discipline goes on on the inside and produces a change on the inside. And so if we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really honest with ourselves, we can mix the two up sometimes. And I don't want to do it for the sake of doing, but, but it's easy to pick up something else that doesn't profit. When actually, if there's ever going to be fruit, discipline needs to happen. If I'm going to sustain passion, they say this in business, if you begin to lose passion for your business idea, go back to your first love and keep going. And you keep going and you keep sustaining. It kind of doesn't just somehow magically sustain itself. But let's not be those who settle for less and give ourselves excuses when actually there is so much more we could have if we allow ourselves to be disciplined. And discipline is not a bad thing. Jesus knew what it meant to be disciplined. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, from verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility 
against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is not a bad thing. Even though it may not feel good in the moment, it always produces a fruit. And we can be those who don't allow ourselves to, to, to have less, but who choose to say, actually, I'm going to discipline myself because I love the Lord and I want to know him more and I want to follow him wholeheartedly and passionately. And I know that's not going to happen if I do nothing about it or if I just go with the flow but actually I'm going to wholeheartedly give myself to this. And that looks like maybe cutting out half an hour. If you're a, a slow to moderate reader, it will take you 30 minutes to half an hour to read six chapters of the Bible. If you read six chapters of the Bible a day, you will finish the Bible in a school year, in nine months, nine to ten months. And that's just one TV show. If we are those who say, actually, I want to be disciplined and I want to give myself to this, then that is possible. And not to be those who say, actually, I don't want to excuse myself by saying I'm not going to do it just for the sake of it. Because there is so much more. Whenever we cry out to God and say, I want more of you. He's like, yes, you can have more of me. Eat it. Come, eat, drink without money. Come and eat the word of life that I have for you. That we can be those. And we can approach it knowing the truth of the word of God and that it's powerful and it's able to change us and it's able to transform us. It's able to give us life and not approach it from an almost defeated point already with, I can't do it, there's no way. Because the more we eat, the more we hunger, the more we want to eat. So the more we eat and then the more we hunger and the more we want to eat and our appetite for the word of God increases. So there is an invitation. There's an invitation to come and to listen and to eat what is good. And we will delight in the richest affair, to give ear, to come to him and listen that we may live. Matthew 4 and verse 4 in the message said, Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. And so come away with me and eat. Come away with me and make the decision to passionately pursue my words. Because to love me, is to love my word, to obey my commandments, is to love me, is to love my word, to obey my commandments, and to love him. Let's stand together.
sometimes, like I said already, what holds us back is the lies we believe and the things we tell ourselves. But I thought it would be really good to finish by declaring some truth over ourselves. Because one of the most wonderful things God has given us and the most powerful things God has given us is choice. No one can take that away from us. We can choose life and we can choose him. And so we can choose to partner with him. We can choose to come boldly and ask for grace when we need it. And his grace empowers us to live lives of righteousness. His grace empowers us to read his word and feast on it. So let's make these declarations together and let this, this truth sink into us. So, yeah. Uh, yes, done. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna count us in. Can you all see it? You know, I'm not that tall. You see it. Three, two, one. I am his sheep, so I can hear his voice speaking to me through his word. The word of God has the power to change me. It is alive and active. As I read the word of God, it lights up the path ahead of me. It shows me how to live and what steps to take. The word of God exposes darkness and brings things into the light. Jesus is the word of God. We love Jesus, therefore we love the word. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Father, we, we just thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. And we thank you for the wonderful gift. We thank you that you came to earth and the word became flesh. We thank you that your word is eternal. We thank you that even though heaven and earth will pass away, your words will never pass away. And we thank you that we can hold on to your truth. We thank you that you have enabled us and given us grace to live lives of righteousness. And we thank you that as we read your word, we see you for who you are, because it's a reflection of who you are. And we pray, Lord Jesus, just for the grace this week to practically make time, to set time aside, to discipline ourselves, to to look into your word. And as we do that, I pray for a Holy Spirit increased passion just to love your word and to cherish it, God, to hold on to it with all that we have, oh God, to hold it in high esteem as we hold you in reverence and high esteem. We love you, Father, and we love everything about you. We want to be sold out, completely passionate. So help us this week, oh God, as we choose to follow after you with all that we've got. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.